Hello, and welcome to A Health Podacy. I'm your host, Alan Weil. According to the National Cancer Institute, roughly 1.8 million people are diagnosed with cancer and 600,000 people die of cancer in the United States each year. Death rates for the leading causes of cancer, lung, colorectal, pancreatic, and breast cancer, are all higher in rural areas. As cancer death rates fall in the United States, the declines have also been slower in rural than in urban areas. Now, many factors contribute to these urban-rural disparities. One factor is access to cancer care. What can be done to increase the availability of cancer care in rural America? That's the topic of today's episode of A Health Podacy. I'm here with Kelsey Owsley, Assistant Professor in the Faye W. Boozman College of Public Health at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Dr. Owsley and co-author Kathy Bradley published a paper in the June 2023 issue of Health Affairs assessing whether the 340B drug pricing program leads to increases in oncology services in rural hospitals. They find that participation in 340B is correlated with increased likelihood of offering cancer care. We'll discuss these findings and their implications in today's episode. Dr. Owsley, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, It's great to be able to talk to you about this important topic and a very nice study that you've done here on it. Let's start with a little bit of background. I gave just a few basic statistics in the introduction, but can you tell us a little bit about how accessible oncology services are in general and how maybe that access differs between rural and urban areas? So we know that there are disparities in access to oncology services across the U.S., especially for uh, low-income patients, racial ethnic minority populations, uh, people who lack health insurance coverage, including those who are uninsured and underinsured, as well as uh, rural patients. And we know in particular that uh, rural patients have more limited access when it comes to oncology services compared to their urban uh, counterparts. And it's estimated that around one in five uh, rural Americans actually live over 60 miles away from a practicing oncologist. And this does have important implications for cancer outcomes, such as uh, cancer survival rates. And there's been a number of studies that have shown that longer travel distance to a cancer treatment facility is associated with a lower likelihood of receiving guideline concordant cancer treatment and completing cancer care once uh, diagnosed. So there are some higher risk factors for rural populations, but we're not focused on the risk factor so much today. We're really focused on, let's say you need cancer care. Um, there are barriers to access. What you focused on in your study is participation in the 340B program. Now, we could have an entire episode on the structure of the 340B program, but that's not today. Um, Can you just give our listeners enough of a sense of how 340B works so that they can understand why a hospital's participation in the program might have an effect on whether or not uh, the hospital offers oncology services? Sure. So the 340B program uh, allows eligible providers to receive anywhere from a 25 to 50% discount off approved outpatient drugs, such as chemotherapies and immunotherapies. 
And really the goal of the 340B program is to allow providers to stretch their resources and to continue providing comprehensive patient services. And really with the high cost of oncology drug procurement, um, we hypothesize that that reduction in drug acquisition costs could allow hospitals to expand their oncology service offerings. So when we think about cancer care, there are a lot of high-cost drugs involved. And basically what you're saying is if you reduce the price for the hospitals in acquiring those drugs, then there's presumably a motivation for them to offer those services. So let's start looking at the findings of your study. Um, Tell us a little bit about how common oncology services were at the beginning of your study period and how it changed and how you saw the relationship with 340B? So we did look just descriptively at the percent of hospitals that offered oncology services at the beginning of our study period, which was in 2011. And we found that around 40% of rural hospitals offered oncology services, whereas you know the majority, almost 90% of urban hospitals offered oncology services. And in our study, we found that those hospitals that began participating in 340B, we're more likely to add oncology services relative to those hospitals that never participated in the program during our study period. We found that those hospitals were about 10 percentage points more likely to add oncology services uh, relative to those hospitals, again, that never participated. I have to almost stop at the first sentence of your answer to that. So if I walk into a random hospital in an urban area, it's essentially certain that I could receive cancer care. But you're saying that at the beginning of this study, more than half of the hospitals I might walk into in a rural area, if I needed cancer care, they would not have been able to deliver that to me. Did I hear that right? Exactly. And that's if a hospital is operating in a rural area. And we know that there are many rural areas that do not have hospitals and that there have been many hospitals closing their doors in the past uh, decade. So that's an incredibly large gap just at baseline. And uh, you start seeing some closing of that gap. Um, Can you say a little bit more about the characteristics of those hospitals? So you're comparing hospitals that joined the 340B program at different times with those that didn't Uh, Just uh, scratch the surface a little more and go into some uh, more characteristics of these hospitals, if you could. Sure. So we did look at hospitals that were nearly participating in the 340B program and whether or not they added oncology services or um, not. And we did find that those that added oncology services were more likely to be located in more affluent rural communities compared to those that did not. So they were more likely to be located in uh, areas with a higher insurance rate. They're more more likely to be in states that expanded Medicaid, as well as they were less likely to be uh, public or critical access hospitals. So is the way to think about this that 340B offers some motivation to provide this care but you sort of need to be in a context where that motivation is enough to tip the balance toward this being a good decision for the hospital. So if you're if you're somewhere with a lot of uninsured people and they haven't expanded Medicaid, yes, you can get cheaper cancer drugs, but you still have a lot of people who can't afford them. Uh, if you're in a more affluent area, if there's more insurance coverage, if there's more Medicaid, 
then you look at sort of you do the math and you say, okay, not only can we reduce the cost, but we also have a revenue stream on the other side. Is that that's sort of the way you'd think about? I, I know this was you, you didn't interview a bunch of hospital administrators, but I'm just trying to understand sort of the mechanics and the dynamics here. Is that how you see it working? Yeah, I do think that that's what's going on, that there's a lot of, you know, different market and hospital factors that go into the decision of whether to um, add or offer a service line. And I do think that, you know, the market that they're serving, hospitals are going to consider that what, you know, whether they're going to be able to generate enough revenue to justify that service line. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit more about sort of the policy implications here for 340B and maybe some other policy options. We'll discuss those topics after we take a short break. And we're back. I'm speaking with Dr. Kelsey Owsley about access to oncology services in rural areas. Uh, The primary findings of this study are that when hospitals do take up the 340B program, they become more likely to offer oncology services. Earlier on, we discussed the really quite low baseline rates of coverage. And when I think about cancer care in general as a service line, I tend to think of it as highly profitable for hospitals. If you look around the country and you look at the data, there are certain uh, service lines that are loss leaders and they're harder to find and ones that tend to be profitable and those tend to be easier to find. So I know I earlier on already sort of expressed some surprise at the low baseline rates of offering cancer care at rural hospitals, but Um, given the general profitability, is there anything more you can add about why this is not a common service in rural areas? Yeah, so you're right. Uh, Oncology services are typically considered profitable for hospitals to offer, but we do know that some providers do report the high cost of oncology drugs being a barrier to providing oncology services And I do think that this issue is exacerbated among rural hospitals because they have been in um, financial distress in um, recent years or are more likely to be in financial distress compared to other uh, urban hospitals. But they also have other challenges in attracting uh, specialty providers. And we know a disproportionate uh, number of oncologists practice in urban areas compared to rural areas. And again, there may just not be enough uh, demand or need in the area to justify that service line being offered. So you need, as we know from, again, many other areas of looking at hospitals, you need a critical mass of patients in order to attract providers in in order for the investment to make sense. But I do want to spend a moment on that first part of the answer. As I understand it, um, there's sort of like a cash flow problem here, right? That, That drug acquisition occurs before you get reimbursed for it. And so even if there's a margin to be achieved when you administer the drugs, um, you have to procure them in advance and they can sit in stock where you're just, if you don't have the cash to keep them around, that can be a barrier. And that's probably a 
bigger burden for smaller hospitals and smaller rural hospitals where uh, cash flow may be more of an issue or just the patient volume is lower? Is that sort of part of the, the accounting dynamics here? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I mean, oncology drugs are expensive for insurers and patients, but at this you know beginning of that process of the uh, dispensing line, hospitals have to be able to um, acquire them and purchase them as well. So uh, the 340B program is under a lot of criticism. And again, uh, you should feel free to talk about it more generally if you like, but but. For the purposes of our conversation, I am curious, is your sense from this work and, and the other work you've done and looked at that that at least in this area, um, 340B seems to be achieving uh, one of its goals, which is to expand access to care for people who otherwise might not have it? I think our study does find uh, suggestive evidence that uh, the 340B program does allow rural hospitals to sustain oncology services and to continue offering um, comprehensive patient services to vulnerable rural populations. But at the same time, we do know that there have been a number of studies when they are looking at all hospitals, including urban hospitals, that do find that the 340B program does not allow hospitals or providers to expand um, services to vulnerable patient populations and that providers typically are using the program to maximize profit rather than expanding their uh, service lines. And so I do think that that should obviously be considered in um, policy discussions, but I, I do think that this study provides some evidence that we should consider the benefits of the 340B program to vulnerable rural hospitals and possibly even other hospitals in financial distress like public hospitals. Well, that's very helpful and very interesting. Um, I wonder also if there are other thoughts you have based on your work or others about other dimensions of, of policy that could help improve access to cancer care in rural areas. After all, you mentioned a huge gap at the outset, and although 340B did have a positive effect, the numbers are still low relative to urban areas. Maybe they will always be somewhat lower, but are there other steps we could take to improve access to care in rural areas? Yeah, I definitely think um, there's a number of things that we can do to you know move that needle to close the gap. Um, I think one of the biggest things, especially for patients that are still in the workforce and ineligible for Medicare, is expanding the availability of affordable health insurance coverage outside of employment, um, as well as ensuring paid sick leave for workers so that when they are diagnosed uh, with cancer or another serious illness, they can take that time off work, if not leave the workforce, to ensure they're able to receive the care that they need. Yes, it does seem like, and we didn't even uh, touch on the the causes for higher risk factors, and uh, that that are not so much about cancer care, but about just uh, trying to bring about uh, closing some of the gaps in cancer mortality and morbidity in rural areas uh, relative to urban areas. So it does seem like we need a multi-dimensional strategy, both on the care side and on the prevention side. 
Uh, as we come to a close, I want to say it's a great pleasure to be able to have this conversation with you just shortly after we learned you were uh, are about to receive the Outstanding Dissertation Award from Academy Health at the annual meeting coming up uh, quite soon. Um, so congratulations on that. And uh, I understand that the study we published isn't directly drawn from that award-winning dissertation, but if you'd like to put this paper in the context of your broader work uh, with your dissertation. I'd love to hear that. Sure. Yes, thank you. So uh, my dissertation was focused on um, the 340B program more generally looking at um, unprofitable service lines and whether the hospitals were able to um, cross-subsidize those the savings from the 340B program to expand um, services such as mental health um, services and behavioral health, um, as well as obstetric care. Um, and so this was an extension of, uh, that work that I completed during my dissertation. Well, it's uh, great to be able to be an outlet for your work and, uh, to catch you at this early point in your career and be able to, uh, advance people's awareness of it. Uh, Dr. Owsley, thank you for, uh, the, research you've conducted here for explaining it so clearly for taking on an issue that really is critical if we want to improve health outcomes in this country. Thank you for being my guest today on a health policy. Thank you so much. It was great to speak with you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll tell a friend about a health policy.